You're listening to Slow Theology, Simple Faith for Chaotic Times, with A.J. Swoboda and E.J. Gupta. Oh, man. E.J., we're back. Slow Theology. Back. It's a delight to see you. And thank you for listening um, to our um to the podcast that that could uh, the the little podcast that could slow theology. Um, we rarely rarely do this, but um, in all reality, if if this is like a helpful podcast for you, um, the simple act of like um, uh, of 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 rating it, even if it's like the worst rating ever, actually serves it. Uh, give it give it a five, but um, if it's garbage, then don't do anything. But um, it is actually helpful if, it is. if this is if this is something that serves you, and so uh, a simple rating uh, or or sharing could be helpful. But that aside, uh, it's a joy to be with you. We're, we're going to talk actually today, Nije, about uh, a listener email. Uh, we mm-hmm. get a lot of emails, a lot of responses from people that um, right. that engage what we do, and um, I got a very uh, sensitive, uh, telling, just very sensitive, uh, thoughtful, and and painful. Uh, email from a a listener, and of course, whenever we address a listener's question, it's important that we guard the anonymity of the person that, that's calling in. But um, yeah. in terms of this particular situation, it is a husband who man just loves God and and wants to follow Jesus, and is uh, walking uh, with his uh, wife of uh, a number of years, who is really wrestling with her faith and and, mm-hmm. and is struggling to put together. Um, what it would mean for her to be a faithful follower of Jesus, and he his question really is about this this question of how do you walk along some side somebody that you really love, um, that you really care for, who is going through deconstruction or doubt, or on some level is, is sort of walking uh, away or in a different direction from that person. I think it's important to say. Um, we're going to take just a few minutes and look at uh, one of Jesus's parables, uh, what has traditionally been called the parable of the prodigal son, um, or the one could call it the parable of the ridiculously generous father, or the parable of the prodigal sons, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it's important to say um, this question shouldn't be limited to just walking alongside right. somebody that we're married to. I mean, this this very well could be. It's a common experience for many of yeah. us to walk with friends or um, family members walk with kids. What even walk with parents? Some of us actually may be asking this question: How do I walk alongside my pastor, who's mm. really going through a season of yeah. rethinking yeah. their faith? So how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we do this? Um, so, 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 Nijay, before we begin the conversation, what what's just your your gut level response to the general topic? Like, what what immediately comes to mind? Yeah, a couple of things. One is I have a friend who. Um, her son, who her young son, high school is going through doubt. I don't know if they call it deconstruction, but but kind of a, a turn away from from church and just disbelief. And it's tough for the mother to like you know how much do you push? How much do you force? How much do you? So like like you said, it, it's a spouse relationship is really special, but but these kind of close relationships, um. It happens in other contexts too. The second thing I'd say is it's probably more common than we think. Yeah, right. That right, right. that because we're not always aware of where the other person is. We don't, you know. I'm not a verbal processor, mm. so I keep my thoughts to myself most of the time. Yeah, maybe that's not healthy, but I do. And then I have other friends who are very verbal processors, and so they're going to express that. My my gut level reaction to this is me as a person. Like I want everybody to be happy 
and content right. and joyous and all of that. So my knee-jerk reaction, if I found out that my spouse or my close friend, I'd want to fix it. Yep, right away. Yep. Like my my first instinct would be um I'd probably stress out, stress out mm-hmm. over fixing it. So I can I can sympathize with people who don't who don't know what to do in those situations. Yeah, you you would you would gravitate towards the immediate kind of patching it up. I want to fix it. Yeah. I actually am struck and I, having walked through this uh, more times than I can count. Um, my reaction is not to want to patch it up. My reaction is actually a deep sense of insecurity. Mm. I don't. I don't know why it is, but it's really difficult for me to feel secure being around someone who used to believe what I currently believe. Yeah, because yeah. there's a sense of I, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's a, a a unique mark of the the modern world. There's this sense of authority that comes with leaving. Like I used to be among you, and now I'm. I and I've seen through it. Like we have whole documentaries about this, right? Like yeah, yeah, I, we yeah. used to I used to be where you are, and I'm not anymore. And here's why the light popped on in my head. And to to not have had that experience and still find myself deeply in in the in the throes of following Jesus and then with somebody who's saying you know I I chucked that stuff quite a while ago there's a sense of insecurity that comes with that like I, I, it's almost I like what do, what do they know that I don't know or, or right. what what's like what, what post did they read or what blog article did that what shared google document did they get into that like helped them see the light and what i've had to do is in those moments not react out of insecurity but actually embrace that insecurity and say i'm i'm okay being mm-hmm. insecure in jesus <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. i'm not saying i'm i'm insecure in jesus i'm saying being being okay loving jesus in my insecurity i think is what i'm trying to say you know i i, I appreciate you saying that cuz the, the the words that came to mind even as we were talking about this a little bit beforehand was and i i may be botching up the terminology here but something like differentiated compassion mm. I was thinking about compassion differentiation, but I think differentiate compassion. So what I would want my reaction to be, I think, is I'm a naturally empathetic person. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're having a bad day, then I'm having a bad day. Like if you're on on, on cloud nine, then I'm on cloud nine, yep, yep, right? Yep. And so I have to be able to separate enough so that... I'm not just on the roller coaster fully with you. Mm. Although, although <laughs> the second part of that is compassion, where compassion literally means to share someone's experience or suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think finding that balance would be really important here of I'm a different person with a different set of experiences with God. And at the same time, I'm with and for this person. Yes. Right. Like that's that would be the tension that I would want to figure out how to um, calibrate. Yeah. Let's, I, I think actually a really helpful story that Jesus tells, a uh, parable yeah. that Jesus tells is um, the, uh, what has traditionally been called the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. We've actually, mm-hmm. b- back in one of our earlier episodes, we talked just a little bit about this yeah. parable, but I want to do a deeper dive on, on what I see are, are really four, um, really important ways Luke records this story and and Mm. the way Jesus tells it that I think might be insightful for us when we walk with a family member, a friend, a spouse, um, or or somebody that we love dearly through through this. So, of course, the parable. Um, Luke 15, uh, there's three 
Um, there's three parables in Luke 15, all of which have the same storyline. They're about losing things. Um, and the, this, this theme of, of lost stuff, uh, for Jesus, you know, what do you do when you lose something? And, uh, in, at the end of Luke is the, the prick, the section that deals with, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And it's a tale of a young man who comes to his dad, uh, and says, dad, I want my inheritance, uh, when Jesus tells the story, he goes out of his way to say it's the younger son um, yeah. in, a, in an ancient world shaped by what is called primogeniture, where the older son traditionally gets uh, the inheritance. Um, they also get the responsibility, and that's going to play into the story in just a moment. Uh, but the older son would always be the one that gets the inheritance. And so when the younger son comes to his dad and says, I want the inheritance, um, he's actually making quite an offensive ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't ask for that. It's, it's not something for you to ask for. It's something that you're given. So he asks, what's remarkable, and this is, this is the first thing I want to point out, what's remarkable about this parable is that when the son asks the most offensive question of basically saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Just give me your yeah. stuff. He wants to separate from him. Yeah. He, he's, you are dead to me in, in yeah. essence. Um, it's, and it's entirely, um, I mean, it's almost shocking the father's response. The father says literally nothing. Right. Complete silence. By the way, this is not the only time in this parable that the father responds with silence. When the younger son does eventually come home, and he will, the younger son has been preparing this speech. I'm unworthy, (laughs) you know, to be in your home. And by the time he comes home, he's prepared this speech, and he arrives, and he says to his dad, I'm unworthy to be even one of your hired servants. The father doesn't respond one bit to his line. He just says, right. we got to throw a party. Yeah. Two times in this parable, I, just, I think this is wildly important. Two times, the father does not respond in a reactive way. Yeah, yeah. He actually responds with either silence or he answers a different question. <laughs> he doesn't react. And I get the general sense. I think this is a just a, a principle of the Father of God, um, the fatherhood of God, is that God's character, God knows how to absorb pain. Mm, I like that. He knows how to absorb and not react. Um, how so number one, I, I just see this absorption theme as as critical. He's not taking abuse. I'm not, I'm not saying he's, nor should I, am I applying that uh, anybody that's experiencing spiritual abuse or anything should absorb it. I'm saying that the, the fatherhood of God has an affect of, absor- he absorbs without reacting. Mm-hmm. And it almost just reads that he is so content and at home that reaction, reaction doesn't serve the son. Mm. So, so I want to start with this. What if, what if part of walking with somebody that we love through doubt and deconstruction or whatever they may be experiencing, that, that step number one is, is to not react. Right. I guess you could say to not freak out. Yeah. Yeah. I got to not that. freak out. Yeah. What do you think? Um, the fatherhood of God, not not reacting, not responding out of insecurity, but just being at peace. Yeah, man, it opens up a whole set of questions. And, you know, disclaimer, we have to be careful not to allegorize parables because, you know, Augustine did this. We turned everything into some doctrine, every little bit. A story is a story is a story. However, I think you're right. 
that this father is um, representative of a godlike figure, and you're saying this might help us think through this. I think what's really interesting um, about this parable is, and what it says about God, is allowance and importance of human agency. Mm. Just like you said, he didn't punish him. He didn't lock him up in the house, right? That would be to violate his human agency, the sons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so part of not freaking out, I think, is recognizing that people might have a journey they have to go on. Isn't that what the parable really is about? Mm. Is the father Mm. could have stopped the son and said, hey, I love you, and everything is mine is yours. But I think the son has to go on a journey. Yeah, yeah. Right? The son's not going to understand his mistakes or understand his life until he's had that journey to see his life from another perspective. Yeah, you you don't, in, in essence, it's really difficult to actually appreciate the home of the father until you've seen kind of what the world is like. There's almost this full circle experience that needs to go on where you see and taste the world before 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 the father kind of makes sense in the parable. I think what you're pointing out, again, I think this is really interesting, is the fact that father actually does give him the inheritance. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, which is a whole lot of money. It's a whole lot of money, right? You know, he blows it in like a week, but let's say he gives them equivalent of, you know, let's say $100,000. <laughs> yeah. You know, he knows this kid's going to blow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that sense of... um compassionate relinquishment mm-hmm. um, of saying, okay, I care about this person, but um, I'm not going to control them. Yep. Right? Yep. I wonder, I wonder what could have happened. Like, did the father say, like, I'm going to give you the money, but I'm going to go with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to follow right. you around. Right. Or, right. 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 you know, there's all these other options that could have, you know, what could have happened. Um, but what I hear you saying, AJ, is we could learn something from the father about, um, about a, a, not, a non-reactive response, a non-reactive yeah. freak out. Yep. 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 Yeah, right. that's right. There can be concern and care that still maintains some distance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is that going too far? The father gives a lot of distance in this case. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't. We again, I appreciate your 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 point about not over, um, not over interpreting these parables, um, and and building too much uh, rigid theology out of out of a out of an allegory, out of a out of a parable. Um, but there's something to be said about the fact that if you were to look at this story through the lens of modern psychology, it is very clear that the father is not codependent in this story. Yeah, he is. He is. He knows. He recognizes um, that his son is his own person. Hmm. That's a hard. That I, as a dad of a 12 year old, um, I'm terrified of the day that he's going to go into the, the world, and it's. And I, boy, I'm everything is just preparing. What's that line? I think it was uh, uh, Steve Jobs who used to say, "Having a child is like having your heart run out in the world, <laughs> like pulling your heart out." Like, like, gosh, it takes integrity yeah. to let your son go away. It's hard. Okay, so yeah. so the non-reactive response that I think that's I do think that that that's a, an important part of the story. I, the second part of the story that I want us to look at for just a moment. So the younger son runs away, and he. He throws, I mean, he, he, 
he goes and has a good time. And and it's mm-hmm. normally read, um, it's normally read that he goes uh, out and he spends all of the possessions. And, and it's easy to read that. And by the way, there's a, a really beautiful little article written by a, a Catholic philosopher named Gil Biley. He wrote an article called The Vine and the Branches. And he, he actually... Um, brings up some work from a, a, a philosopher by the name of Jean-Luc per- Marion, who talks about this parable through the lens of uh, of ontology or being, because it actually in in the in the Greek text, uh, the, the word for property um, is actually the word usia. It's it's the word for being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ca- he th- he th- he scatters his being, his self, mm-hmm. and Marion and and Bailey kind of make the argument: this is more than just him spending the stuff he's losing himself he's losing himself he's spending yeah. himself yeah. yes he, he is scattering his very essence yeah and there's only one moment in the story there's this moment right he he loses himself but there's a moment that most western readers do not pick up on that causes him to want to go home and it, um there's this moment where there is a what what luke says is a sudden famine yeah and then the son wants to come home now again just some cool interesting like research stuff um uh, Mark Allen Powell is a New Testament scholar who's done work yeah. on this, and he took this story to a bunch of Western folks. And when they read it, he he had students read the story, and then they had to tell the person sitting next to them, kind of regurgitate the story. And Western readers don't even remember the, the famine part. But when he had non-Westerners read the story, the famine is always the part that sticks out the most. And he says most Western reader, readers are what he calls famine forgetters. Um, that we don't mm-hmm. we don't pay attention to the famine because we don't experience famine in the West. But the famine is what immediately causes him to want to go home. And I, I think I want to bring this out just for 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 walking with somebody through through this. And, and the reason is when somebody walks through the experience of sort of undoing their faith, there is a there's a time a period of time where it is liberating. Yeah, it's it's almost um, like f- feeling like you're like throwing. Yeah, it almost feels like you're throwing aside these shackles that have held you. And I can only imagine the younger son sort of has that experience. You know, he's in the big town, he's free. It, it's a blast. Yeah, but there does come a point. When that veneer of liberation and freedom does not sustain us any longer, mm-hmm. and, it, and we go through some experience or something that causes us to go, um, I'm dying here. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I, this is why I have seen so many people uh, go <laughs> who were in like my college ministry years ago who walked away from the church for a while and then had a kid, and all of a sudden they're back in church again, is that what happens is that the experience of having a child really makes you need God all over again. Yeah. So part of being a good friend is is being available and present when the famine hits. And, And allowing, just creating a context where when the famine hits, you're available and you're present and you're there. Because it will, the liberation will wear off, and and will will long for God, and so that that means like allowing space for somebody to come home when they go through the the experience of of losing themselves, literally their usia, losing their very being. I think about the pastor, you know, who's seeing this happen to parishioners, and you know, I, I think what we can learn from the father is open door policy, like you can come back. Yeah you know, we won't, you know, we're not going to put you through some discipline thing. We're not going to like smack your hands, you know, um, 
we'll we'll just be glad that that you found your way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um I want to pick up another part of what you said and 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 um you know we're just sort of free thinking here. For me sometimes I'm maybe judgmental mm. on the person going through deconstruction that they've done it to themselves, they're overthinking, they're uh, making uh. themselves god. But the fact you mentioned the famine means maybe they've gone through something I haven't gone through. Mm. Mm. Um at work or loss of a child or some major illness or some horrible experience with a pastor or a church. Um, and so the fact that this prodigal son has, has a complexity of messy things <laughs> that mm-hmm. led to his demise, right? Right. His downfall. Um, that's worth, that's worth stating. That's worth stating that um, some people are dealt a worse hand mm. and that doesn't mean they won't be responsible to God, but it does mean I can't assume that their experiences have been the same yes. as my experiences. Yep. And that gives me more reason to be a good listener, to hear their story. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you mentioning the famine because that, that did make me think some people have just been dealt a really bad hand of experiences yep. that just yep. hit them. Like, But I'll tell you what, you know, if I'm counseling somebody, you know, who's going through this, in some ways, it can benefit uh, the person that is observing because sometimes with, let's say, siblings or spouse relationship uh, or a parent and child, let's let's say the scenario where the child is a Christian and the parent is walking away. Mm, yeah, right, right. From the Lord. And that, <laughs> yeah. that happens a lot more yeah. than I would suspect uh, at first because there's a lot of people my age that have kind of run out of steam yep. on church and we're trying to, to shelter our teenagers from all the ugly news about churches. But you know, what I would say is for my child, let's say I was going through deconstruction and doubt and my child, my teenager isn't the, the good one good thing about that is it forces my child, my teenager to evaluate their own independent faith, mm, faith independent mm. from me. Right, and I could see that with spouses over time, your faith becomes intertwined, which is normal and natural and often good. But if there is some sort of distancing because of different journeys, that's going to make the person who isn't going through doubt really take a good look in the mirror and say, "How yeah. strong is, is what's my faith built on? Yeah. Is it built on this person's faith, or do I have faith in my own?" Yeah, yeah. Did the father when the when the son comes home? It is it is a it is a it, I think a a notable dimension of of this account that the father there there's no there's no like I told you so yeah. or or like man dude you 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 botched it and 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 you you trashed your life and and that actually leads to the third point and that is that the the depiction of the father in this parable is one of profound patience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there was a, a book written years ago by Helmut Tillichy, a German theologian. He called it. They called the story the parable of the patient father. Mm. He's extraordinarily patient, um, yeah. and he lets his son run away. But there are two moments when the father completely throws his patience aside and acts extraordinarily quickly. Mm. So the minute he sees the son come home, a long way off, <laughs> a long way off, yeah. he runs to him. Yep, and there's been a lot written about this. Uh, I'm retweeting 
scholars much smarter than myself, but running in the ancient world for men was not a, a thing you did. In fact, yeah. Ar- Aristotle uh, has a whole diatribe about how men should never run in public. It was seen as yeah. sort of this this no-no, this faux pas, this social yeah. sort of taboo. And he just chucks it all and he yeah. runs. And yeah. then and then when the son comes home and has this thing about I'm not worthy to be a servant, the first words out of his mouth <laughs> is the father goes, quick! Yeah. Quick, let's quick, have snap your fingers. Let's yeah. quick get the get the party going. Get the ring. Yep. Get the rope. fatted calf. Yeah. yeah. So this, what a weird, like that when you read this story through the lens of of speed, it's really interesting because he's yeah. patient, 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 yeah. patient, patient. But the minute there is any return, it is doors flung open. Quick, you are restored. Come back. Yeah. And I, I love what you said, that that walking with somebody through these things, there is n- an always open door policy mm-hmm. to quickly come home. And never a I told you so, never a shaming you for your time in famine, never. I mean, the father, I bet he was, I don't know. I put myself in the father's shoes. I'd be kind of ticked, bro. You blew your <laughs> college fund. And I'd be like, you you need to you earn owe this me. back. Yeah. You owe me. Yeah, here's the invoice, man. Yeah. You, 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 I, I saved up for you for years for that. And now you got to work at Starbucks. And he doesn't do any of this. He does the opposite where he breaks out the expensive wine. Yes. You know what I mean? He spends even more. He, He's he, like, take the keys to the Jag. That's exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So he is patient, 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 and then immediately he is fast. Yeah. And to me, there's a book, this is a podcast about slow theology. I think that matters. We are not always told in the Bible to do things quickly. Patience is a high value Mm -hmm. in the scriptures. And yet here, the father throws his non-anxious presence aside and just runs out and quickly makes room for the son to come on in. I think I think of uh, there's been you know when I think about the equivalent today, um, I don't know if you've ever had this situation, AJ, but I'm kind of one of those absent-minded people. Every now and again, maybe once every three to five years, I will accidentally show up to church in my house slippers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, do I get out? Do I not get out? Like you know, like out of the car. Like, do I? What do I do here? And like, I'm I'm gonna be late. I have to stay. So a couple times I've actually shown up to church in my house slippers. But I'm thinking today it would be like running out down the street in your pajamas. Yeah. Right, and house right, slippers. Right, right, right. The word that comes to mind when when we talk about this, the applying the parable of the prodigal son to a situation with a close friend or relative or spouse, the word that comes to mind is grace. Because hmm. that's what the parable is about. And what is grace? we tend to over-theologize it. I think it's as simple as having having a, a lot of love and, and affection in your heart for the person, mm. right? The person is not a doctrine, an attribute. The person is a human being, they're a person with the complexities of their life and their experiences. But AJ, I want, I want to ask, because we got to wrap up here in a minute, practical advice yeah what practical advice would you give don't rob me from my fourth point because it's the most practical one of of the four and that is why would the son ever run away Mm -hmm. because when you look at the story uh through the lens of the father it's pretty evident to me he didn't run away because of the father no so why did he run away and of course the one character we haven't really looked at is the older brother yeah and the older brother 
Um, it turns out is stingy. He doesn't want mm-hmm. the younger son to come home. And I would say that the real pain for the younger son was not the father. The real pain was the older son. Mm. And that the younger son ran away from the father's house because of the older brother. Mm. I think this is the most practical one for our for our conversation today. And, and I, I would leave it for our listeners as a suggestion. When people question their faith or walk away from their faith or deconstruct their faith, there is always a story of pain. Mm. I rarely experience somebody who sheer rationally walks away from their faith. Right. In almost every occasion where I've I've walked with somebody, there is a word that was spoken at church that was very painful, mm-hmm. a disappointment, um, broken expectation. It's experiential. Yes, that that we make theological decisions based on experiential realities. And I think that this younger son um, was sick of living with the older brother. Mm. And and that it was not the father that dro- drove him away. No, I, I almost never see somebody walk away from Jesus because of Jesus. Right. Right. No. It I mean it it's it's largely the we walk up people walk away from Jesus because of people that claim to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think giving space the older son, I think the older son was the was the was the factor that that broke the heart of the younger son. And I, I want to close with this. When you're walking with somebody through these things, give an amazing amount of space for them to talk about the real things that hurt. Yeah. Not 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 even not even the theological things cuz I don't really believe people walk away because of theology. Yeah. yeah. I think more often than not we walk away because we have absolutely nowhere to take our pain. Mm-hmm. And we feel like and we feel like there's no room in the father's house for our pain. Of course, in ancient society, it was the older son, older son's responsibility to go and find the younger son, and mm. he doesn't do it. No. And the father does it. He goes out and rescues. What if we were older brothers that did the hard work of going to the younger sons and and going to the real pain mm-hmm. and giving space to name it? and grieve it. And if we're the older son, actually name the ways that we have botched it and cause somebody to want to run away. So my Mm -hmm. concluding thought is, Nijay, go to the real pain and don't assume that what's being said is necessarily the truest pain. Seek to go to the real stuff and allow it to come out into the open. Yeah, I love that. I I, Just you're talking, I was thinking, and you, you hit it. There's nothing more compelling than if the older son repented. <laughs> mm. There's nothing more inviting mm. to the younger son mm. than if the older son repented. We don't know what he did, but if the older yeah. son repented, I think that's powerful. Um, we've talked about this a few episodes ago, but I always come back to the quote, I think it's Cornel West, let suffering speak. Mm. Let mm. suffering speak. Our churches need to be places where we're we're okay with the awkwardness and like you mentioned at the beginning the insecurity of Christians being imperfect people that that do bad mm-hmm. things and listening and hearing people out and letting letting lament speak yeah there's a there's a church you both you, you and I both know where you can go and there are these bulletin boards around the sanctuary and you can put up complaints 
hmm. against God or anyone else. <laughs> I think that's wow. one of the most Christian things I've ever huh. seen in a church. Huh. Um, that's a gutsy, gutsy pastoral move. Wow. Nijay, think, think this is a sacred conversation. And, and in conclusion, um, I want to say to the many people who have written on this topic, but specifically our friend who, who wrote um, Walking with, um, with His Beloved Wife, God has given you mercy and grace to be the nearest person to that to that person in your life. And as you seek to be like Christ walking with the Emmaus Road disciples, mm. would you find endless mercy and peace as you run to serve and love? But also remember, you matter too. Mm. You matter too. Uh, thanks for this conversation, EJ. I love talking Amen with you. Amen to that.